technology is great, but if it's not properly oriented to the business, it can be a real problem. What happens frequently is we think our businesses are doing great until they're not. Hey, hello and good day. Welcome to another episode of The Consultant with Coach. Josh is the consultant. I'm the coach. We're Christians, good friends, running buddies, book nerds, and we produce this podcast to help you out in your local business because you, you want to lead. And you know what? Business is hard, especially when people get involved. So Josh, how are you today, man? I'm doing great. Doing great. How are you? Awesome. Hey, we're going to take a little change on today's podcast. Yep. And instead of doing a book review, you have a topic for us. Sure. What are we yeah. doing, man? Yeah, no, we, we were talking about just taking a quick pause, you know, a short break, three-week break here from uh, books. We have another one coming mm-hmm. in just a few weeks. Um, but we were talking about just what are some other issues maybe that are current and relevant to our clients. Um, we found that a lot of leaders and companies are, are failing, I think, for because they're failing to see the market shifts and pivot in time, right? Pivot in time due to internal inertia or ego mm-hmm. or lots of other reasons. So yeah, we thought we'd think, talk about yeah, that. Yeah, what happens frequently is we think our businesses are doing great yep. until they're not. Until they're not. And literally all of a sudden something will shift. Yep. And we need to be at least be aware of it. We mm-hmm. don't know when it's going to happen. It could happen today. It could happen a year from now. It could happen five years from now. We don't know what that will happen. And if leaders are not ready for that shift it can literally take down their entire business. Well, and I think you and I, that's when they call us, I think. But what we are finding is that they're, they actually could have or known or planned for it well ahead of time. And so a lot of leaders are, are, are reacting too lately, too, too, too far behind the ball when these mm-hmm. things occur. And they could have actually seen them coming, you know, with some degree of certainty and, and have not prepared, mm-hmm. right? So that's, that's what we And so our devotion this morning is out yep. of Daniel, right? Yep, yep, mm-hmm. Daniel, yep. Um, so the first uh, first episode this morning is going to be about kind of market shift and, and staying relevant. And we thought this passage from Daniel chapter 2, 20 and 21. Um, and the reason this is important is, uh, again, Daniel, Old Testament passage, um, not in Jerusalem at this time. He's part of the group that's been taken out into Babylon. Um, and Daniel, it says, Daniel answered and said, blessed be the name of God forever and ever to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes Kings and sets up Kings. He gives wisdom to the wise knowledge to those who have understanding. And so, um, really the purpose of this is to connect to this idea that, um, there, at least for those of us who are Christians, there's this authority, um, God who is over all things and, and, moves in ways that we don't fully anticipate or expect, right? Mm-hmm. And so we shouldn't be surprised. And I think the beginning of this wisdom is to seek, um, or beginning of understanding and how to prepare for these market shifts is to seek the wisdom of God, right? And to be prepared in the ways of spiritual pre- preparation first. And and as you know, Daniel noted, things happen, right? We, we are not God. And we mm-hmm. shouldn't be surprised when there are dramatic shifts in the world around us, right? No. And what I loved about our previous podcast on Craig Rochelle's book, he was talking about Daniel. And it's not like there was a big problem and then Daniel changed and started his habits and right. doing what he was doing. No, Daniel was the same man he was before everything went down. Yeah. And then the market shift happened. The market shift for Daniel was the Babylonians. Right. But he was ready for it because of what he had previously done. Yeah. And, and, and two, actually, um, even personal examples I'll give around that <clears throat> is, 
you know, I was at a group of parents we meet pretty regularly who are all adoptive families. We have adopted kids, and the parents were talking just about how they were um, struggling with some acute things. And so if you have any kids, but especially adopted kids, you're sort of prone to these very sort of big flare-ups of emotions and behavior and whatnot. And it's just, and basically, you know, what I was struck by listening to this was, um, and actually I think it was Wonder reading the Craig Rochelle book, um, was, you know, you can't, we shouldn't be surprised by these things. We should assume they're going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then you think about, what are all the things I can do today to prepare for that? In terms of my habits, the way I set myself up, the way, and I think um, running is the same thing, right? Running, I, I learned myself, I started getting injured, right? And so now I don't train until I get injured and then change my training. I train by getting on the bike three days a week because I assume that if I don't, I'm going to get injured. <laughs> and so <laughs> it's, it's the same. I mean, and so it's this idea of, you know, you, per, you don't get surprised by the disaster. You assume a disaster is going to come. And then you think about what are the daily things you can begin to do today differently in your business, right? To prepare for the market shifts, even if you don't know the specifics of the market shifts. Absolutely. Right. Because we do know there's going to be shifts. Right. And one of the things that we've laughed and almost cried about <laughs> from the consulting side, from the coaching side is, you know, as we're always working our sales funnel where, you know, you're hoping to uh, garner new clients for consulting. Likewise, I did the mm-hmm. same thing for coaching. But we laugh sometimes because, you know, we have those clients that they're just on the verge of signing an SOW or jumping on with us. And we're waiting and we're like, hey, this would be perfect. You're at a great time. And it almost always they wait like an extra three to six months longer than they should have. (laughs) And so things get a little bit worse. And we'll take on clients whenever they want to. If you're in a client, if you're in a crisis, we'll take you on at any time. However... It would have been to your benefit and, um, well, to your benefit, you know, our benefit when things are worse, we have to, we get to work a little bit longer, but had we had them earlier, we might've been able to prevent or help them help you prevent some of the chaos on the backside. Right, right. Right. And that's kind of what we, you know, if, if, and this is what, hey, we're going to talk about potential market shifts today that we all need to be aware of as leaders because they're going to happen, whether it's today or um, next week. Yeah. So in terms of market research, so number one, you said market research, what do we need to know? Sure. I think, you know, I think it's first of all, assuming from a market research perspective, you know, the market always changes. And so I worked with a, a CEO at a health plan who actually was really, really good about pounding the drum around the customer voice, you know, and he was in stay, he was sort of one of the lead sales executives before he became the CEO. Um, so he had that, that sort of lens to his thinking, but, um, he really impressed upon me that the importance of constantly talking to the market. Mm -hmm. So don't just read, which is also important, find industry stuff to read. Also read non-industry stuff, right, to understand how other business models are emerging, other inventions, just because it gets your mind creative and moving. But then don't stop talking to the market, right? There's not like a point at which you now fully understand the market because it's like a flowing river, right? Mm -hmm. You, You get in it and then you step out. It's different next time you step in, right? So you have to assume the market is always shifting and to keep your pulse on it i think you just have to talk to your customers and or your likely the ones you'd like to have Uh you know all the time it's it's a never it's just part of 
any leader's job in any industry. Yeah, and the market's always shifting. I have my my daughter is now at a at a university and she's a business major and it was really funny. I was talking to her this last week, went down to Arizona to visit with her. And so she, now that she's in university mm-hmm. going, you know, an econ class and oh, yeah, we, were, nice. we were sharing how um, our our medical supply is doing really really well and my main competitor has literally blown up the last six months. I mean, mm. I feel sorry for them, but it's been wonderful for our business because essentially they blew up. And she's like, Dad, you now have a micro-monopoly. And so on the good side, <laughs> nice. we are doing really, really well in our region. But if I were to not understand market shift and relevance, I just I would kick back and just chill thinking, well, I have a micro-monopoly in my region now. Right, right. Yes, I do. However, it's not going to last for the next 10 years because I understand my competitor that blew up, they're not just going to give up. It's right. a large national company. They're going to regroup and they're going to come back really, really hard. So mm-hmm. if I'm smart, which I'd like to think I am because I have you as a really good friend, <laughs> I'm going to be ready for you're when, smarter they, than I am a good yeah, friend, when okay. they make their next offensive I will hopefully be ready to fend them off. Right. And well, so and a lot of it is understanding how is the market going to shift based on each specific season. And I think that even tying back to our scripture for today and, and the problem some leaders have is you, you, you have, you're, you're exhibiting sort of this nice balanced view of ambition. You want to own the market, excited you're doing really well, but then you also have the humility to recognize that, you know, this is a season and it's not something necessarily that you did to cause it all to happen. You have to like thank God for for, for this season, well, hey, yeah, right? Absolutely. But you better prepare for changes in the future that inevitably are going to be coming your way. So by keeping a pulse on the change, you're not going to wake up one morning and all of a sudden have that competitor have you know 10% market share back, right? It, you're exactly. going to see it coming, right? Mm-hmm. So you should, if you have your pull finger on the pulse. So, so in in consulting especially and in business we're always hearing you've got to be customer centric got to be customer centric but really it's all what in the world does that mean help me what does it mean to be customer centric sure i mean i think well it depends i think it depends a little bit but i think it accords having a relationship with your customer mm-hmm. in terms of understanding the types of people to what we call the word big word we use is persona right understanding your target persona like if you had an ideal profile of someone right who you were wanting to serve and it's usually you mean you can go so far as to pick uh maybe an age bracket Mm -hmm. right you can go so far as to pick hey do you mind if i talk about our persona for this podcast i mean yeah and and everyone is welcome to 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 obviously listen to our podcast but we sort of talk to yeah and so i'll just let you know what josh and i's Mm -hmm. ideal persona is for our podcast it's men between the ages of 35 and 50 Mm mm-hmm who are also Christians. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. is our main area of this podcast. So this is who we're talking to. Now, I do know there are a lot of women that listen to the podcast. Mm-hmm. There are people who uh, are not Christian, mm-hmm. but that is the main persona that we talk to because that is who we feel called to. But at mm-hmm. the same time, will areas of our podcast help them as well too? Absolutely. Well, and, and the research says by being very targeted, you actually do a better job of meeting the needs of a broader set of people too. Mm-hmm. And so the nice thing is when you do get very narrow, um, in fact, there was a, um, there was a client I worked with a while back uh, in pr- kind of primary care. 
Keep talking. Okay. Um, there was a client I worked with a while back in primary care who had actually gone so far as to give the patient persona they were targeting a name. I don't remember the name um, off the top of my head. It might have been Sally or Jane or something like that, but Sarah. Actually, I think it was Sarah. And they went so far as to give Sarah an entire life, right? Sarah was, I'm making this up a little bit, but Sarah was 33 years old. She lived in this suburb of the city they were in. I think it was Portland. She had two kids. She was married. This was her job. I mean, they went really far down this path of Mm -hmm. a persona, right? Because the idea was everything they did, they had to make sure Sarah wanted it. And if Sarah didn't they didn't they want it, they wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And that was everything they did. And they were very successful because they were very targeted about the persona they were serving. And that persona then drove every conversation internally, every decision, yeah. every plan. And what happens with leaders is if we don't have that specific avatar or persona that we are talking to, what happens is we are not as focused in our message. Right. So, for example, just like this podcast, I say, our clientele or the, our persona is a male between the ages of 35 and 50. Mm-hmm. Now, my other company I lead is a home health care store, oxygen, hospital beds, you name it. My ideal persona is a woman mm-hmm. ages 50 to 65. Hmm. Why pick a woman? Well, even though men like to say they're in charge, most healthcare decisions, 90% are influenced by the woman of the household. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If it's not, not just outright made. If, yeah. not, if not made. Right. And so a lot of us is we need to figure out whether you're an HVAC company or a plumber or whatever business that you lead, who mm-hmm. is your ideal customer? Mm-hmm. I hate to say it. But it's not like you don't tell everyone this is who I'm talking to because other people are influenced. But we've got to know who are we speaking to in terms of that customer. Mm -hmm. Especially, I mean, examples like you're talking about could be, you know, residential commercial, right? If it's residential, what age are the people who live in that house that's ideal for you? If it's commercial, what size is the business? What, who's the person who buys from you? Are you talking to CFOs? Like in healthcare, for example, it's a funny dynamic because actually... Um, the person who buys the product is different from the person who uses the product. And so actually when I work with my healthcare clients, we have um, business decision makers and clinical decision makers um, and other influencers. And so it's actually a much, we had a a whole exercise with a, let's just say one of the largest companies in the world who was trying to sell a healthcare product or or a software product into healthcare. We'll talk about which ones. But anyhow, they were very large. You use it every day. I almost guarantee it. Uh, <laughs> but anyhow, they, they were struggling because they were like, we'll just sell it to the business decision maker. It's like, well, no. In healthcare, it's actually a very complex purchasing set mm-hmm. where you got to have someone who uses it, and then you got these other people who influence it, and then you have a CEO who has an influence, and you have a board, and you got a nurse, and you got a CFO, and you got like this whole set of people because they make a decision by committee. And in those situations, you have to be very careful about how you think think about the ecosystem you sell into. It's not just a persona. So coming back to shifting markets, because even if we think we know what we're doing, Mm -hmm. markets are always shifting. So Mm -hmm. how do you develop this, you know, what everyone would say, customer-centered culture, even for employees, as this is always shifting? Mm -hmm. What do you do? Mm -hmm. Well, I think if you understand, um, you know, so for example, we can take this one I mentioned earlier, the one had the persona, right? Mm -hmm. So the culture was built around talking about that persona in all their meetings, right? Because they they had this very detailed understanding of their Sarah, and so they would talk about her in every single meeting, right? Again, this is a made-up person. This isn't a real person. Um, You know, the other thing you can do is um, 
ask questions. I think I was actually in another organization where in every meeting room, and this was a little bit cheesy, by the way, so it's, it's, it's like works for a time, but it's to set a culture, not necessarily. But they actually would take, <laughs> they would take T-shirts that said customer on them, mm-hmm. and they put them over one of the chairs in every meeting room, and they said that's where the customer sits. Mm-hmm. There was no customer, right? So, so either everyone knew the customer was quote-unquote in the room and it was an empty chair, or if someone felt compelled that they had the customer's view that they wanted to speak from, they could go sit in that chair and speak from the customer's viewpoint. That's absolutely So there's a bunch of ways you can add the customer to the meetings, you add the customers to the agenda, you add the customers to the thought process, you add the customers. So you you infuse that whatever your persona is into the operations and the heartbeat of your business such that everyone knows, right? And if everyone doesn't know, that's first thing you got to educate them. So market research and our customers are always changing. Next, technology is always changing. Mm-hmm. What do we do with that? I mean, even if you were to spend all your time doing technology mm-hmm. and how that changes, that still wouldn't be enough. It is changing so rapidly. So what do you do when, you know, technology changes faster than we can even blink? Have, uh, yeah, and this is a question back kind of for you from a coaching perspective. Do you do, have you done much coaching with technology executives? I have not. Okay. Well, I was wondering because, in my opinion, at least in my experience, it's funny how this works. Um, depending on the culture, the technology can start to be sort of the tail that wags the dog, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, technology is great, but if it's not properly oriented to the business, it can be a real problem, right? We've talked about I've several, seen that. And we've mm-hmm. talked about several things that sort of become, they become the informal gatekeepers. They become the ones who say no to everything. They become the one like, so that, so it can't be a real challenge around technology because it's, oh, we can't do that. We can't do that. We can't do that. Um, but they can also be very helpful because they'll say, well, we can't take on that tech debt. Here's the actual, they can help you understand if we adopt this new system, there's this long-term cost to it, you know, which is usually under, undervalued, under-recognized. Um, but again, it's always back to people, process, then technology. Right? Mm-hmm. You can't get the order reversed, right? So you have you have people you serve, and you have people who serve them. That's where you got to start. What are the business processes you use to deliver the value you do for your business? And then how does technology help you accelerate or enhance or more cheaply deliver on this process? That's that's really the place of technology has to stay at the bottom of that. From a coaching standpoint on technology, and this is where I'm a little bit different. Coaching, I'm primarily working with the person, mm-hmm. not the product. Mm-hmm. And that's really what coaching is. And it's hard because you alluded to it as you were talking about tech. It was with tech, sometimes we think it is the dog, but in fact, it's the tail. You don't want the tail to wag the dog. Right. And what technology does do is it amplifies everything else. Mm-hmm. And what I've seen with certain leaders that I have coached is they think they're bigger than they actually are because they had some kind of tech amplify who they are as a leader. And Mm -hmm. when I jump into uh, the executive coaching role, I realize, oh, this leader has not grown to the point of their business yet. So Mm -hmm. they're really leading a business that's bigger than they should be leading, which is awesome, but they better grow their character so they can lead their business that is Mm -hmm. however large it is. So that's where I see, you know, technology come into play. Right. Uh, And and tech tech is always, always changing. Well, and this is also why it's so important to stay in touch with the market because that's how you can assess whether your technology is 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 efficiently, effectively solving what we're, what we call in product market fit land, the jobs to be done. Mm-hmm. So the jobs to be done is if we took 
our product away or our product didn't exist, how would the market be currently performing their tasks today? What technology would they be using typically? What is standard? What are the pain points? What are the gaps? Where are the manual steps, right? Then you figure out how to infuse people, process, and tech into a form of a product that actually meets their, that need, fills that gap in an efficient way that someone's worth willing to pay for. Um, you know, that, that, that's, and always you have to, that's why you have to know the market. So your tech is not been too far behind. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so you have tech and then you also have, you know, depending on the market regulation changes, you know? Oh, so what do you do yes. as regulation changes come in yeah. my industry? One of our biggest clients is Medicare or CMS yeah. and things are always changing and they're always behind the ball because we're dealing with the government. The government's never fast. You're, you know, yeah. then we have the economy. What's the status of the U.S. dollar? and What does that look like? How do we deal with as markets shift with regulation changes? Yeah, I mean, it changes, obviously, depending on the size of your business, mm-hmm. right? And who does that work? And in large companies, you have people who specialize in this. Um, in sort of being in touch with those changes, um, you have, obviously, attorneys and other things. So, um <clears throat> Small companies, you just got to stay on top of it. You got to read and you got to understand, you know, so you got to do more of it if you're the small company entrepreneur. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it, it's just, it's another dimension that you have to find your industry uh, publications and be reading and be mm-hmm. educated and be thinking continually, you know, working with people maybe who can help you from a lobbying perspective or another perspective, sort of stay in touch with the things that are coming so that you can understand the implications mm-hmm. or even if you're large enough, maybe have some influence on those things. Um, if you have, you know, a, such a business that you could have a relationship, for example, with a local you know, representative or senator or something like that, you know. Um, so, I mean, it, it's just, it's another dimension that you have to stay on top of. You shouldn't be surprised by a major regulatory change. They take so long. You should and, see and it coming, do. right? And I've, yeah. you know, I'm now almost two decades into my field. What I've even noticed is as regulation changes go, even if they've been passed by a local government, I still am like, yeah, there's still only a 50% chance this is going to be implemented. Right. Because I've seen so many things implemented in our field mm. and then i swear the day before or even a month after like oh no we realize that's a really bad idea we're going back to how it used to be so <laughs> right, 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 right. i almost have like two certifications what happens here what happens here what's likely and yeah. you have to have a game plan it's just like in football you're like okay right. this is how we're going to start but if not we're going to have to make adjustments at halftime right so in right. terms of market shift and relevance i, I we just want to leave you as a leader, hey, you need to be thinking about this. Yep. If not, you are on the verge of your business could go out of business, or at least what might happen is you might lose 10 to 15% of your business overnight if you don't understand what might be around the corner. Mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. Or miss a big opportunity that you didn't jump on. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Um, so, Well, good. Well, hey, in the meantime, we, like each one of these issues, Josh and I, we could have talked for probably 15 to 20 minutes on every single one but hey reach out to us on the consultant on the coach.com if you're watching this on youtube or wherever you're watching this leave us a question we'll respond to them as long as they're a good question and not like hey you really should have been drinking tea instead of coffee but hey until then until next week we, we look forward to seeing you guys then all right take care